young creature with one eye human creature. You think for a moment, just the, the tables that you've been around. Maybe it was a board room table, and you sat around the table and you decided major things to happen. You decided that you were going to have a Super Bowl party, or you decided that the budget was actually going to, to be able to make the budget. Maybe you decided hiring someone or firing someone. I mean, decisions being made around a board room table, vision statements, mission statements. What what's going to help us go into the future? Major decisions happen around the table. Think about just the table at your home, or the kitchen table, or the dining room table, and the number of decisions that you've made at that table. Maybe marriages have been sealed. The deal was sealed at the, at the, at the table at somebody's house, uh, like at Mandy's dad's house. And I offered just the right amount of goats at the table and said, "Here's the amount of goats. I want your daughter to be my." Mom. Things like this happen around the table. Encouraging things, joyful things, but also sometimes discouraging things. Sometimes tears are shed at the table. As you think about things from the past. I remember just a few years ago my granddad passed away. And I met with my grandmother and my aunts and my mom and my uncle and sat around the table and talked about planning my granddad's funeral. And now if you go back home to my, to my grandparents' house and I sit around the table, those are the things, those are the memories that come back up. Thoughts of planning my granddad's funeral. Thoughts about remembering who he is and what he lived for and where he is today. Those thoughts come up after the day. I mean, a number of things happen in that. I think we eat together. And at our table, you've got food crumbs on top of it, and you've got food crumbs underneath the table. You've got old Cheerios that have shrunk down so small you don't even know what it is. You think it's a logo, but you realize, wait a minute, that's a Cheerio from last week. Those types of things. Um, the table was a really significant thing. We are around it all the time. And think about the number of people I'm hoping you as a believer in this Christ before the number of people that you've asked to come and sit around the table with you. They come and dine with you. Maybe the table is even, God forbid this, maybe the table is even at McDonald's. You know, and you sat around the table together at McDonald's and shared and breaking the French fries and breaking the cheeseburger and had conversations that were spiritual, conversation that was eternal. And maybe you just drink coffee together around the table, but things, significant things happen. I'm under the understanding that there's a group of men who keep together in the house every morning, sit around the table with their coffee and solve all the world's problems. I'm just not sure why those solutions haven't made their way out of McDonald's yet. If those solutions that they're coming up with would make their way out of McDonald's, I think this world would be a much better place. A number of significant things happen today. So when we talk about the Lord's table, what, what happens at it? If you remember C.S. Lewis, maybe a little bit, maybe you've watched Shalini in the wardrobe, maybe you've read the book, and you've studied and you've seen how C.S. Lewis really brings drama to the table of the Lord. He places the lion on the table to be sacrificed for the sins of one. And on that table, Salvation really comes. The table is broken. 
the lion is laid out. Death happens, but forgiveness is the result. Forgiveness is the result. And so when we come to the table, we talk about dying at the Lord's table. This is a significant moment. Our minds are being engaging in what the Lord has done for us, what He's doing for us, what He's going to do for us. And so this morning, if we're talking about the table, I want you to be mindful of two, two other things the red flag and the cup of salvation. Right? So when we talk about the triumphal entry of Jesus coming as the bread of life, that those who are recognizing this is the Son of God, Hosanna, He's the Son of God, He's the one who's bringing us. Life is going to rule us for eternity. When we think about Easter Sunday, the cup of salvation is offered us, it's poured out for us, that we get to drink this cup of salvation that's allowing us to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So think about Psalm 23. The prophet has led us, led us in this reading this, but Psalm 23 is a, there's a version of the text that he prepares a table before us in the midst of our, of our enemies. Prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies. This God is a, a great shepherd, as we talked about in the Reservation, he's the goodest shepherd. There is no gooder shepherd than Jesus. He is the greatest shepherd of all time. And because of that, we can trust that wherever he prepares the table for us, we can sit in comfort at that table. Because he is the one that has prepared. So because of that, we can trust in him. But think for a moment about these Israelites, these ones who have exited slavery. They were under Egypt's rule. They were forced into slavery. They were longing for someone to free them from the slavery that they were in. They were longing for a shepherd to lead them out to greener pastures. They were longing for a shepherd to lead them to still water. They were longing for the shepherd to allow them to be an inheritance in a house that they could be in forever. They wanted something greater. And so God would provide for them a leader. He sends them Moses to lead them out of Pharaoh's control, to take them out of Egypt's slavery, to lead them, to give them this exodus out of something that's not what their lives are in, intended for. And as you're exiting, some things happen. Maybe you're familiar with this. Maybe you can relate a little bit. Though they were in slavery, and it was really terrible, when God removed them from that and began walking through the desert, something began to rise up within them. Complaint. Is anyone ever complained at all? Anyone ever offered complaint to you? Have you ever offered a complaint to someone else? Complaint begins to rise up. Now, one of the things they say in Exodus chapter 16 is, oh, that we would have continued to sit at the table with the pots and the pans that were provided for us, and the meat that you were, that was being provided for us, even though we were under Egyptian rule. Still in that, we had a table set for us. And so God, yeah, in that, knowing all things and being all about it, said, I'll tell you what, Exodus chapter 16 says, I think what I'll do is I'll provide for you something. I'll provide for you a meal so that you would know I am the Lord. I'll provide you bread so that you know that I am 
the Lord. I'll provide you water so that you know I am the Lord. I'll provide you meat so that you know I am the Lord. I will prepare a table for you in the desert. I will prepare a table for you in the midst of your enemies. I will provide all those things that you desire. I will give those things to you so that you know that I am the one that's giving those things. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. What, what the psalmist is telling us is that because of God being the greatest shepherd, the one who's leading us to the greatest moment of our life and our eternal life, we can trust in him and only in God. He provides for us and we say, God, he provides for us. You know, you are the one to provide for us. We sit down at your table and we see your things to provide for us. And so we recognize that you are the one that provides for us. Psalm 34, a taste and see that the Lord is good. Then we would have the satisfaction in him and only in him. But we would understand that he is enough. Lord and shepherd, I shall not. Why? Because he was good at shepherd who provides for us, who sets the table for us in the midst of our enemies. Turn to Psalm chapter 78, though. Psalm chapter 78 gives us a little picture of these folks. Of these folks who make complaining their native language. Psalm chapter 78, starting in verse 1, says this, Give ear, O people, to my teaching, and find your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a pair while other dark saints from the world, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. Verse 4, You will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation. But what are we about to share? What are we about to pass along to the next generation? I can pass along to the next generation what has been set before us at the Lord's table. What He has done for us. Nothing that we do, but what the Lord has done for us. Because if you're anything like me, and I relate well to Isaiah 64, when I know that the things that I have to offer are really like filthy rags. When I come to the table and I have anything to offer to the Lord, I come to the Lord's table and say, Well, this is who I am, this is all I have to offer. And God's going to recognize who you are in the filthy rags. And I'm going to see that and I'm going to remove that and allow you to sit at my table anyways. This is what we're telling you the next generation. We will not hide them from their children. This is what we will tell them the next generation. The glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. We think for a moment of the many things that we pile on top of angels. The number of things that we put on top of Maybe your table at your house is a little bit like ours. That you come in from wherever you've been, and you just happen just to set it down on the table because it's a nice, easy place to set it. And then weeks later, you're thinking, well, where did I put my three-year-old? You start looking at oh, she's still on the table, right? Well, we left her. But we tend to pile things on the table and make them higher and higher. We want to sit on the table, we got to move things off. Hey, can somebody clean off the table? Can somebody get the stuff? Off the table. The place that we're going to dine and have dinner and celebrate things and make decisions and then cover up with things that shouldn't be, shouldn't be on there. Instead, the Lord's table should be covered up with the glorious people of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. The response is this He established the testimony of Jacob and informed the law of Israel. 
which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation, verse 6, might know them, that the children yet unborn, and arise and tell to their children, which they should set their hope in God. What should be on the Lord's table that we're dining around? The things that would set hope in people's hearts. That those yet to hear the good news of Christ would come to the table and say, Oh, this, this is the might of the Lord. This is who God is. This is His glorious deeds. So they should set their hope in God, not to get the words of God, but keep His commandments. And that they should not be like the fathers. A stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Ephraimites armed with the bow turned back on the day of battle, they did not keep God's covenant. Contracts happened at the day of the day of the Lord, the greatest contract ever has been sealed and signed for the blood of Jesus. They did not keep God's covenant or refused to walk according to the law. They forgot his words and the wonder that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonder. In the land of Egypt, he filled the land. He divided the sea and let them pass through, and he made the waters stand by the feet. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the May you sing this? And we're talking about God and his powerful, mighty words that are thinking about Easter coming and the resurrection of our Savior. We receive for a moment these are the glorious things that we follow on the Lord's table. These are the things that we should be focusing our attention to. When we focus as Christians do often, as unbelievers do all the time, when we focus our attention to the fleeting things, the things that are going away, we forget about those eternal things. The author of this song is trying to remind us that the Lord's table, the mighty works of, of God should be displayed. Verse 16, he makes streams come out of the rock and causes waters to flow down like rivers. Yet what happens? Verse 17, yet they sin still more against him, rebelling against the most high in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they prayed. Remember Exodus 16. Oh, we could sit back at the table for those meat pots and those hands where we could sit in Egyptian slavery. We could still be slaves to, uh, to the Egyptians. Let us go back to that. They tested God in the heart and by the name of the they prayed. And they spoke against God saying, Can God spread table in the wilderness? May I get into that moment and think, Can God actually do this? I mean, is God really capable of of doing what he says he's capable of doing. I mean, here we are in the wilderness. Can he truly set a table that I can be satisfied with? Can I truly eat from the bread of life and be satisfied forever? Can I truly drink of this free gift of salvation and not have to work my way or earn my way to salvation? Can I truly, can these things, can these things really happen? Can God spread a table in the wilderness? I think if you're anything like me, you have those moments. Maybe you don't worry this way. Maybe you don't wake up on a Monday morning and it's the worst Monday of your life. Maybe you don't wake up and say your first thought is, oh, and if God can still think of it this way. But I think you have those moments where you think, is God really going to come through? Is God really going to stick to his promises? I mean, I think about Joshua 1 9. 
that reminds us that God will never leave us or forsake us. Yet how often do we pray, what will be with me? The table tells us that the Lord is here. He has not abandoned us. He can spread a table in the wilderness. He has not abandoned us. We don't have to say, Lord, be with us, because we can trust in the word that tells us that he is here. When he says, come and die on my table, he's saying, I am here. No one said amen to that. Come on, people. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rocks with the water gushed out and streamed overflowed. Can he also give you bread to provide meat for his people? Therefore, the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. Yet another cup that could be a thing, the cup of wrath. I mean, God can invite you, hospitable God that he is. He can say, come and dine with me. I'm going to give you bread of life, and I'm also going to give you the cup of my wrath. When the Lord heard, he was full of wrath, and fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his Savior. Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven and he rained down on them manna. You hear this? Though his anger was against them, though his wrath should be poured out against them, he offered grace instead and rained down manna from heaven. The man ate of the bread and of the angels and sent them food in abundance. That is more than enough. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he led out the south wind, and he rained meat on them like dust. Can God set a table in the wilderness? Yes, he can. He ran meat on them like dust, green birds like the sand of the seas. He let them fall in the midst of the camp, and all around them they dwelt, and all around them they dwelt. And they ate and were filled, for he gave them what they craved. I mean, we talk about a gracious Father. We sing about an amazing grace. Yet his anger was against them, and his wrath should be poured out on them. He gave them what they prayed instead, and let them be saved. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So that you say, when you're going to come to salvation, you're going wrath. Eat the bread of life, the life eternal. Verse 30 says, before they had satisfied their craving while the, while the food was still in their mouth. You know, mamas, tell your kids, don't talk with your mouthful. Daddies, don't talk with your mouthful. That's such a bad example. But before they had satisfied their craving, craving while the food was still in their mouth, the anchor of God was against them, and he filled the strongest of them, and he laid low the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they still sinned. God is saying, look, the table I've set before you, but your eyes continue to gaze at other things. Look at the table I've set before you, look at the mighty deeds that I have before you, make your eyes still look at other things. You crave this, and so I provide it for you, yet you still are not satisfied with God alone. Despite all this, they still sin. Despite this wonder, they did not believe. So he made their days vanish like the rest, and their years in terror. And when he killed them, they sought him, they repented and sought God earnestly. They remembered for a moment, oh, the wrath of the Lord, but I do not want to experience it. The table he has set before me, I should be satisfied with him. 
Verse 35, they remember that God was their rock, the most high God, their redeemer. But they flattered him with their mouths and they lied to them with their tongues. Now, I want to be satisfied with you, but I see, I see these things. And so these things stem to me, and I want to be satisfied with those things, but I think that if I do these things, I'll be satisfied with that. Their heart was not steadfast toward them, they were not faithful to his they have the table the Lord is printed up a contract for us. Wants us to be faithful to it. Desires for us to stick to the contract. That many of us are like these here in Psalm 78. Our heart's not steadfast to the Lord. We're not faithfully moving in obedience to the Lord and by other things to be faithful to. Verse 38, I wrote, I wrote in my own Bible here, I just wrote the word there, with a number of exclamations. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity, and did not destroy it. He restrained his anger often, did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were the flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. You recognize you're only human. You cannot handle the wrath of God. And so because of that, I will restrain myself and I will not pour it out on you. I will take your iniquities away. In fact, I will pour out my wrath upon someone else that came to you. So that you don't have to. So that you can sit at the table clean and guilt-free. You remember that they were only flesh, a wind that passes and comes out of how often they rebelled against him in the words of reason and they, and they tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. And they did not remember his power in the day when he redeemed them from the world. And when he performed so many signs in Egypt, and his marvels were still begun, and he turned to the rivers of blood, but they could not think of the strength. And he goes on and on to say, God has done so many things. And if you were just to sit at this table and work, and see what he has done for you. And see what he's doing for you. Maybe you be satisfied. I mean, I think for a moment when we recognize this, when we recognize how the Israelites got provided for them and provided for them, it is still sinning, it's still complaining, it's still walked away. The day became on something else, they prayed other things, and God said, let me just prepare the day for you. In fact, you remember the words of Jesus when he gave us his painful prayer? Give us his day our daily bread. That we be filled with God daily. That we recognize we can be satisfied in them daily. When we wake up, the table is set. The bread of life, the cup of salvation. Daily we be good to partake in those things. What an awesome God that we, that we serve. And I think for a moment, it reminds us, we like to talk about, um, Jesus flipping the fifth potatoes. You remember that? Up in Matthew chapter 21. When, uh, I think it's 21. I want to make sure that I put that right. It's 22. I don't want you to believe your statement. Matthew 21 is when Jesus flipped the potatoes. I think for a moment we recognize, well, why was it so terrible that they were doing these things on the table? Think about how important the table was for Christ. That he recognized 
So the things that will be piled on the table in the temple of the Lord were not the things of the Lord. So the people began focusing on fleeting things instead of eternal things. Christ came and flipped the tables, turned them upside down, cleansed the temple, wiped away all those things that were on the table that should not be on the table. Gave them a sense of here's what matters. Exodus, in Exodus chapter 25. God gives instructions for the table. It says this, Exodus 25, 23. You shall make the table of acacia wood. It shall be this long, and this high, and this wide. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold around it. You shall make a rim around it and angle it with a molding of gold around it. You shall make for it four rings of gold and fasten the rings to the corners of it to a rest. Close to the frame, the ring shall lie in you, as cold as the folds of your table. You shall make the folds of the gate wood, and overlay them with gold, and the table shall be carried with peace. You shall make its plate and dishes for instance, and swaggers and bowls in which to pour a drink on them. You shall make them of pure gold, and you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before the regular. God gave these instructions for how the table should look. He gave specific instructions of what the table should look like, how it should be carried, what should be placed on it. And he says, place on the table the bread of the presence. What does the bread of the presence symbolize? When we see the bread of the presence, what do we recognize? That God is here with us. The presence of the Lord is with us. And still today, when you think about Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us, he is here with us. We get to sit at his table. Our iniquities are gone. Our sin removed, like Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west. Even the greatest thing, I've said this in the Bible Reservation, but the greatest thing about our guilt being removed is that it's removed, never to be seen again. When our, when our stains have been cleaned, I don't want to see those again. Remember the stains you had? He said, Christ removed those things as far as the distance from the rest. And they remind us, I hear that come and say that they You remember Luke chapter 22 when uh, Jesus took the Lord's Supper. Um, just a few verses following this very symbolic moment the bread, the cup, the body broken, the blood spilled. Just a few moments later, the disciples began talking about well, who actually gets to sit at the table. Like, who gets to sit at the table with the Lord? Who gets to sit by on his right hand? Who gets to sit on his left hand? Who gets to sit at the table with the Lord? And Jesus clearly makes it for us to understand who those who have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus are the ones who get to sit at the table. Oh, what a powerful message that is. What a powerful message it is to think about that our God, the hospitable God that He is, welcomes all to come and sit at His table. Those who have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb get to come and sit at the table. My granddad was a great guy, a great example in many ways. He was very hospitable. He had a rule. He come to the house, so the table with us, there's a, a tradition that follows. Part of that tradition was before the meal, 
You can rain down bread out of the sky. You can be a God who can trust that you, you still can do things like that. And help us this morning to respond to you in a way the way that you are. Just to move out of the way, and let the Spirit work in us. Help us to be able to do We'll sing a song together. We'll stand and respond and invite you to choose your life. If you haven't, respond to him and I'll be Thank you.